What is going on guys? Thank you for being here with me today. Today we're going to look into the champion mindset of a 20 year old physique athlete. Liam has competed in a few shows and he's six weeks out, but what makes the difference between him and other 20 year olds? They're out there partying and doing all those type of things. Welcome to Unlocking the Fitness Industry. I am your host, Jake Abel. I'm a two-time natural pro, a cellular athlete, and we're going to find the best way to get fit, to enter your competitions, and to look your best. So, here we go. Let's get into the episode. And we are back. So, with me today, we have Liam. Liam is doing his third ICN show. Um, he's under Team Ablefit, and we're tracking on really well. So we're going to get into the mindset this time of maybe you're a first-time competitor, maybe you've had different types of experiences, but get into the mindset of an athlete that's quite close in coming into comp. So how are we doing, Liam? Good, good. Yeah, very good. So we just trained legs, um, so lucky we're sitting down. And yeah, lucky he's come up from Bendigo. I'll get into why did you start fitness? Um, so there's a little bit of a backstory with it. So I played um, cricket and footy up until from the ages of 12 to 16. And um, up until the age of 16, closing into 17, um, I missed out on playing Calder Cannons because I was too small. So one of the coaches told me to bulk up because they're very scared of me and getting bowled over by a 100 kilo uh, person. So that for me hit me a little bit hard because I've wanted to always play in the top level. So my next thing was to hit the weights and um, didn't know anything about it, Didn't had no skill whatsoever. Um, probably six months into the training, uh, I started to notice a little bit of a difference. And then that's where it all started and I kind of drifted away from footy and looked up personal training, bodybuilding and that sort of shit and that's pretty much where I connected. So how, how many years ago was that? Uh, that was two and a half years ago. And how old are you now? 20. Okay, so being competitive, how long have you been competing within a bodybuilding federation? Uh, this is my second year. Yeah, cool. So you started when you were 18? Yep. Cool. So Lee, I want to get Liam on today because we're going to go into the mindset of a younger athlete. <clears throat> so Liam's quite like me. I started... Um, when I was in my 20s and back then with the bodybuilding federation I was the only one um, it's blown up now social media is becoming a big big part of this game and that's where we're getting a lot more younger people choosing to live different lives um, with comp prep which is awesome so cold cannons you came through football how competitive were you in football um, I was very competitive always turned up the training always in the backyard improving my skills as much as possible yeah, and how did you find working with a team versus what you do now? It's pretty interesting. Working as a team, obviously, um, uh, nothing's really at your fault. It's a team sport. You know, you kick the winning goal. You know, it's it's all about the team in the end. And being an individual athlete, it's it, it's all on you. 100%. You, know, you do all the weights, the cardio, the meals. It's all up to you. Yeah, and that was a big thing I found. Like, I was always into skating and things like that. And my funniest thing, I used to play field hockey. And I remember... The thing that's like pissed me off the most is I'd work so hard to get the ball from the backfield to the midfield, pass it off for someone to shoot a goal, and they stuff it up. Yeah. And that's something where yeah. I think 
individual sport definitely for me was a lot better because it is on you. Um, and that mindset that you do have that I'm like, well, everything I put in, you're going to get out. And that's something that you'll find with definitely bodybuilders. Um, you have to have a different mindset when you are competing because it's, you're not performing on the day you're performing the weeks leading up to the day. And it's such a different sport when it comes like that. So being 18, 18, when you did started, who was your main inspiration for then? So you got, went from 40, started getting into training. Um, where, where did you go from there where you started to back footy off and start getting into weight training? I think it was more of um, YouTube and st- social media side of things. Um, always looked up to Jeff's side, um, Steve Cook and all that and how they had incredible bodies and looking in the mirror a couple of times thinking, okay, can I ever get to that level or what, what does it take? And I had no knowledge whatsoever. So I took a step forward and thought, you know what, let's give this a go, see how it goes. Yeah, and what was your physique like when you were entering the gym? Um, between 55 to 60 kilos, very skinny. Um, most people would go into the gym because they were feeling very skinny or feeling anorexic. Yeah. For me, it was it, it, same thing, but more to footy because I, I really loved footy. And to be told you're too small kind of, like I said, hurt and mm-hmm. you know, I had to hit the weights and had no knowledge whatsoever. And then as soon as I got into it, I'm like, nah, fuck this. This, this is what I want to do. The the bodybuilding and stuff like that. I really want to get into that. So. And when did you know that? Yeah, it took over from less football. How long did you play? Still play football when you were doing the weight training? Um. So, up until eighteen and a half, I think, I played six, six months. Yeah. So I, I played about four to five games, um, and honestly, I I noticed the weight, uh, the scale, sorry, going up, and I thought, wow, I've never seen the scale rise up this far and I thought well you know cardio which is the training side of things it's kind of killing it so the less I do yeah. the more I gain so there was a fine line between I still love the sport but I wanted to change direction change careers yeah see if I can do that yeah 100% and then what was your training like during that time so what when you walk, first walk into the gym how were you training let's see I Pretty much, I ran a, a normal schedule. Of, like I'd search YouTube things, three to four sets, eight to twelve reps, um, increasing the weight every time, and just basically progressive overload. Yeah, and you just learned that through YouTube's yep. watching, social media, Jeff says, kind of all yeah. that kind of stuff. Okay, so fast forward down the track, you did. What made you want to enter your first bodybuilding competition? Um, my dad actually spoke about it. Um, so my first one was March, and about a few months before... Is this when you were 18? 18, yeah, Two just ago. Or almost turning 19. Yeah. And uh, a few months before, he said, oh, you know, have you ever looked at competing? We, we had this, like, bit of a discussion on, you know, competition, and because he saw... He has a lot of Facebook friends who do compete. Yeah. And it got me interested, but not too interested in that career path. And then one day at the gym, I was exactly eight weeks out from the first show that I'll get into, um, said, I reckon you should compete. Well, what do you reckon? You know, these guys don't look as big or, you know, they look really lean. They look like you because I was doing my own summer shred. And that's mm. when I started to know and have knowledge with fitness. And I questioned myself saying, well, should I do it? And I took that step further. Um, lucky enough, I was um, five weeks out from the first comp. 
and I was fairly lean, so obviously hooked up with a coach, uh, got my name around and pretty much started on that. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing um, to say. When you do start to look at competitions, I think every athlete goes through the points where they're like, oh, yeah, they've got their minds on Phil Heath, Kai Green. They're like, bodybuilding? Oh, God, there's no way I could. that's achievable for me. And it's not until you realize on some of the physiques that you do see, um, especially in the natural federations, and you're like, well, there's so many different. You've got fitness, you've got physique, you've got bodybuilding, and they're actually quite achievable looks. Um, and you'd be surprised with the different types of bodies that you do get up on stage. So if you are looking for at that first time comp and thinking bodybuilding so far out there or a bikini comp or sports model comp so far out there, you'd actually be surprised when you do go to a show where you sit on those levels. Um, Did you ever go to a show before you... I did not. I saw a lot of stuff on social media, but my first uh, show that I went to was a few weeks after my comp. Okay, that you went and watched. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So, with that as well, so then you went into your first comp. What was the feeling like? So, coming up in the, say, peak week, you were going into it, at least you had a coach, you had guidance. How were were your nerves? How were those type of things going in? It was more of a a, a new step. It was was like, how can I explain it? I obviously didn't know much about it, and I was... Um, up for learning new things so I obviously did some research and how people uh, do the preparation um, because I was living with still am living with dad and uh, he would cook all my meals and Mm -hmm. all I would have to do was prep them and weigh them and um, for me it was just a a new new learning experience and to see how much I've progressed over the time it's there 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 was not much nerves at all Um, it was more of can I do this? Can yeah. I take the next step? Is this for me? So that was pretty much my first comp leading up. Yeah. And then how was your first comp experience? So you got on stage, got to the day, um, overall feelings, how how'd you go? As soon as I put one foot on the stage, I fucking loved it. Mm. Absolutely. Um, was it everything like, you, were you nervous about getting up in front of people and things like that? I, mean, I was definitely nervous getting up. But when I put my foot forward, it was just lights out, all eyes on me, yeah. and it was just a great feeling. And I asked myself, like, you did this in five weeks. You 100%. were accountable for yourself. You did all the meals, all the cardio, the weight training, and you've still got more to come if you want to take that next step. I came off stage uh, placing third, and I'm just like, I'm fucking happy. I'm really, really yeah. happy with that. And that's a bloody good result for your first comp, especially even without being the age of 18, like I didn't place in my first show, um, in my physique show. So definitely having that kind of stuff off what six, six months training, um, genetics obviously involved as well. Um, coming into, so after your first comp, what did you do post show? So you knew it was, this is a sport for you. You absolutely loved it. Then where, what goals did you set from there? Um, it was pretty much, uh, six months until my next, Show so I had a plan of obviously the uh, a small off season, mm-hmm. and I felt very arrogant to myself saying, "All right, I've had a feel, I've had a taste of what it's like. I know I can do this. I definitely want to do it again. What's the next step? Okay, increasing my calories, listening to my coach, focusing on myself, being a bit relentless. So that's where I started to learn more about foods and mm-hmm. what goes into your body. Yeah. So structured off season, you had six months to that next show. So that was the VIX. VIX. 
So your first Vicks. Um, got to your Victorian titles, which is state shows in Victoria. This is under ICN Bodybuilding, which is Natural Bodybuilding Federation. And what were the things you learned going into that next show after your first one? Well, my first thought was um, you've done it before, so obviously you're going to do it again. Uh, there's going to be it's going to be a lot more serious, um, as my previous coach has told me. Uh, season B is a lot more competitive um, that I've heard. 100%. And um, you just got to go in with the right mindset, which I did. And um, leading up to the preparation, I had an all right off season, and I stuck to similar goals. So then that's where pretty much it was game on from there. Like this is the next step, this is the next area, and um, yeah. What was your feedback that you did get um, from that first one? So the first one was, I believe, um, I had I had crap posing. Yeah. Um, obviously, people's first time your posing won't be the absolute best, and I've I've known that for myself. But it was I had great condition. Um, I needed to do upper chest and shoulder development, which I covered that in my next goal, which was my second comp. So the VIX, the uh, feedback from VIX was condition was great. Or condition was good. Posing was great, so that's definitely a, a goal that I achieved. Uh, shoulder development good, upper chest good, and yeah, pretty much the condition was good, but wasn't as good as my first comp. So it was a bit of a switch around. Yeah. And then going into that second comp, how'd you feel with your results from that? Um, I wasn't too, uh, I would say I'm happy. I did place third. I wanted to crack top spot first or second. Um, it's a bit of a curse. I haven't placed first or second yet, but it is what it is. But my, my feedback for myself was, you know, um, I did a, a 10 week prep. So that's five weeks more than my first comp yeah. and uh, learning what's, what's next. So how, how much is a good comp, like 12 to 16 week prep? Yeah, and the differences. Yeah. Okay, so that was your last comp, that VIX show? Uh, the VIX, and then I did the Nationals two weeks. Nationals, later. that's yes. right. And then that's another yeah. step up again. So Nationals, yeah. within a two week, you've got all yeah. of Australia that you're up against. Um, how, how was that show? How'd you find that um, at the expo? I, I gave myself high hopes, um, not knowing the word Nationals. <laughs> it mm-hmm. was um, incredible. Incredible Insane. physiques. Uh, the crowd was just unbelievable. The lighting, the, the just people you get to be around, people from Adelaide, Perth, and you know, New you're South up there Wales. with the best of the best. Yeah, best of the best, and it was like shit. You know, you got yourself here, placing fourth, mind you, and fourth and fifth, and I couldn't be happy with myself. That's yeah, and yeah. that's something that something to do with. So. When you're saying you're not placing in those top two, something that is a common occurrence when I'm listening to you is that resilience on, okay, you did not place top two. What methods did then you go to make sure that you do get into that contention each and every time? Instead of just, I do see a lot of athletes come through and they're like, oh, well, I didn't place. I'm going to another federation or I'm not going to compete or I give up on something like this. How's that different with you? For me, I'm, I'm very um, hard on myself, as you would know. Um, I like to give myself feedback. I like to be, you know, give myself ideas, be creative and giving myself tough love. So if I need to do the shit that makes me first place, then I have to do it. No excuses. I, you know, it, it, it's hard making sacrifices, but it, like I said, if, if it's, if it's what you got to do, then you just got to do it. You know, yeah. no matter what genetics you have, what diet plan you have, keto, high carbs, whatever you, Whatever's set on the table, you do as exactly says. 100%. And that's the best way to go through absolute champion mindset. 
This comp, so we're looking at, we're fast forward now 12 months. Yep. So we've got had 12 months, we're sitting six weeks out. Um, you've been on this journey, what's different? Um, well, diet's definitely a lot different. Um, I'm a lot more high calories um, and also a new coach, hence Jay Gable. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, my off season, we'll talk about the off season. The off season I had yeah. was my second one. And it was longer, so it was about an eight-month off-season. Yeah. And um, I really started to uh, experience with certain foods, pre-post-workout, breakfast, mm-hmm. dinner, um, just experiment on social media and what worked and what didn't. And I basically put myself on the table saying, all right, what's what, what's going to work and what's not? So I did everything I could, hit a high weight, and uh, stayed fairly lean because that was one of the, the um, feedback as well. Um, I did look a lot blocky in the off-season my first time. So the second time I kept lean, kept uh, big on the scales, got stronger. And um, leading up to my th- my second year, um, it's it's incredible. Yeah. The knowledge is just out of this world. And this is something I want to touch on because this is uh, something I'll probably go further in with this podcast, definitely. And it's something I'm a huge believer is that off-season. So... Um, where a lot of people, competitors will look at it and they're like, oh, 20-week prep, that means I'm cutting for 20 weeks. And then seven months of the year, they're sending it and they're going out and going getting smashed and doing all those type of things where that's the real difference. If you want to make a major difference in your physique, it's like the 80-20 rule. You can't expect that for seven months or eight months of the year, you're absolutely not even tracking, not going it to anywhere towards your goals and then expect top results from three months of prepping or cutting um, from nothing. Um, so that, that that's a huge difference. And that's something in my journey I think I've learned the best thing is something key you said there was staying lean and putting on good quality weight. And that's a big difference between I think we're taken over by these the American way of bodybuilding or what we see on social media. And I think social media is definitely a big thing where it over-emphasized cheats meals and donuts with – and like I've always said this throughout my whole fitness career is like you go to the freaking fitness expo and there's a Nutella stand and I'm like what the hell is a Nutella stand doing at a fitness expo so I guess yep 100% lifestyle choices they're fine go and live your 80-20 go and have whatever and all those things but when it comes to an off season you're still prepping like off season's on season on season's on season Um, there shouldn't be too much of a difference and my big thing is just making sure that every single day I'm doing everything I can to take one step closer to my goal, not further away. So that's off-season. I'm still tracking. I'm still eating on those points, and that's something definitely you're going to see this time. This is why your physique's 100% different. Um, and I'm, I was lucky enough to definitely see the progress of Liam over the last two to three years come through the industry um, definitely competing at the, around the same time. So this physique that we're going to bring in is going to be something that we've both never seen before, mm. I don't think. Like definitely. the way you're coming in is going to be completely different to, oh, I think you're leaner now than six weeks out than you were on your last stage. 100%, yeah. So that's a big game. It's just off-season is a key to – off-season's your on-season when you actually build the muscle mass to show on-season. You can't expect to grow in yeah. a deficit and cutting phase like – Liam's got all the muscle now that he's going to show on stage. He's not going to get crazy a hell of a lot bigger and a lot more shape, but now we're just going to cut in, fine-tune the next six weeks. 
Um, so going on that, I want to talk about, I think I want to pick apart for you. Let's talk a little bit about your age. So the average 20 year old that I've met, um, oh, I'm pretty deep in the bodybuilding. So not that I've met, but to average 20 year old that you get off the street, um, clubbing's pretty much live for the weekend, work on the week, weekdays, go out. Um, what's your kind of week? Well, what's your weekend look like? Let's break that down. Um, so up until the age of, I'd say 18, I'll talk about that first. Yeah. Um, just on that young champion mindset. Um, yeah, I was not clubbing fit very often, obviously being 18, being technically legal to drink. And we all know we've, we've all drank for about 15, 16 years old. So can't bullshit about that. <laughs> but, um, I mean, up until that, it's just, it's my personal opinion. Like yeah. we've all got the same 24 hours. We've all got the same 364, 65 days and... It's just a personal opinion of, you know, I can be greater. I mean, sure, I'd like to have a few beverages and stuff like that, but, like, is that going to give me the result that I want? You know, and it's, it's a fine line of making the sacrifices. And, you know, I don't club. Even on off-season, I track everything. My fitness power scales, I, I track everything. doesn't matter what it is. Um, yeah, I'll go a few for a few cocktails or a cheat meal, but... What am I doing for the rest of the six days and those 24 hours? You know what I mean? So it's more of what your personal goals are, not someone else's. Yeah. But, bro, how don't you live? For me, <laughs> that's the, That's the average person. Is, uh, <laughs> exactly. That's what I used to always get. But, but, but how do you live? What do you mean you're training? When are you going to relax? I relax after my workouts. That's pretty much... Yeah. I have my meal, sit down on the couch and... Pfft, there you go. My, my, That's me. My response is, I relax after show day. <laughs> after I've done everything for a day, and then I'm in the gym the next day. So after show. So that 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 is a point, and that's where mm. I see a little bit of myself in Liam. Um, 100%. And that's the thing, like, I guess you can have short-term satisfaction. You can go out to the club, forget your whole night, but me taking out the Australian champ, me taking out a world champ, me taking out the Vic champs, I'm going to remember that forever. Exactly. And that's the difference where you can go and spend the nice way where like, Jesus, I can't remember many of those nights that I have been out. I've got a very bare memory of a lot of them, um, but we're creating long-term memories. And that's the difference. Well, you got to want this sport or you don't. This isn't a halfway bloody sport where you can show up and try and win a game off just sheer talent. This is something where... In the end, you're in a competition, um, and that's where it's just going to come down to is you have to bring your best in, and everything is going to show up on the stage lights. Those little yeah. things, the people who didn't do an off-season, the people that skipped meals here, that's all going to show up in that off-season for sure. Um, so let's chat a little bit about – so same with that age um, – the big thing is is we're slowly starting to see younger and younger people come into um, fitness, physique, bodybuilding. Um, how do you go? So, like, cost of this sport isn't exactly cheap. How do you justify that? Well, it's more of um, your financial state. Obviously, everyone's got a budget. Everyone's um, got no money and everyone has money. So, it's more of doing your research leading up, not just 12 weeks, 16 weeks. I'm talking about six months, even a year. So you want to compete in 2021, that's two years from now. You know, if it takes that much, then so be it. You know, this, it can be a cheap sport if you choose it to be. Um, obviously, off-season is, you know, <laughs> a lot cheaper. 
than yeah. uh, on season, unfortunately. Spending about eighty to hundred bucks per week on clean, clean foods. But if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I put to a lot of my guys, I'm like, okay, cool. Off season, even so, I eat. I'm very similar. I eat pretty clean off season, even on season. To be honest, I save a hell of a lot of money going into a prep on on season. So like, I don't go out for dinner as much. Well, I just save fifty dollars per meal. I don't drink. Well, there's a hundred and twenty dollars a weekend. Uh, so at the moment, what I've saved almost three hundred, two hundred and fifty something dollars um, that I've got extra in my pocket, which that's per week. So then, what a competition. Your rego might be one to one fifty. Um, it's and that you're only going to pay them maybe once a year, twice a year. Um, it actually comes down. It's not that expensive of a sport when it does. You put to anything else. If you put it into perspective and think about it the right way, mm. oats cheap. All your foods can be pretty cheap. Like to be honest, I budget most of my meals off close to a hundred dollars a week, and that's it. Like you can get oats mm. for a dollar. Um, get things on special, and that's the best way around it. I mean, for me, um, off season every two weeks, forty five, fifty bucks. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. And for me, off season is definitely cheaper because on season there's you know twelve dollars uh, chicken breast a kilo, like then you know beef mince that could be six bucks, you know, and it's just the amount of calories you have. You just got to have high calorie dense meals that could be under five bucks, you know. Yeah. And that, that, that is 100% the game and working out the best ways and the cheapest ways to get maximum for your dollar. And that's 100% if you're in a younger position where you're less financially dependent or depending on parents and things like that, you can always work your way around it. How do you go with social situations with your friends, those type of things? Um, it's quite funny because I, I don't have many... Um friends who drink I have a couple but I guess they understand um the work that I put in you know sending them snapchats and them seeing my instagram like fuck this this kid's real this kid loves what he does he's doing what he's doing and I get the occasion you know can you come out this and that but um moving uh, I moved to Bendigo uh, a year ago so I don't have many friends in Bendigo I've got a lot of social media friends but uh, my main friend uh Mackenzie shouting out there <laughs> um he lives in our uh, summary and um i tend to drive for you know a couple of weeks maybe down there he may come up here but we you know friend friends are a phone call away that's how i see it you know friends yeah. and family they're a phone call away you know and as much as i want them next to me it's it is what it is you know yeah. I, I love giving my friends a, a message here and there but it's not you know it's not needed for me all the time have you had ever had anyone that didn't really understand your lifestyle? Oh, 100%, definitely. How, how do you deal with them? Um, kick them to the curb, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't care if you don't understand. You just need to understand my answer. Like, you need to accept my wishes and this is what I want to do. You know, if you want help and you're complaining, yeah, fuck yeah, give me, you know, ask me a question, anything. But, you know, if you're not willing to do the work or take my advice or take people's advice in then what are you doing with yourself you know yeah 100%. you're not going to have the same friends as year seven you may meet them when you've got um a husband or a wife kids like oh hey you know, i haven't seen you in 20 years you know that shit happens but you're not going to always have the same friends and lucky enough i do have a same friend since year eight and um yeah he knows he understands how does family go with it 
Um, my dad's very supportive. Yeah. I kid you not. Like, he's one of the fathers that some people don't have. And in saying that, um, he's very, very, very supportive. Very supportive of his kids. Always puts his kids first. Doesn't matter what happens, puts his kids first. And having that is just amazing. You know, like I said, he um, helped me prep my first show. He paid for a few registrations. He, he, yeah. he helped me as much as he could. He's basically a father who is going to pick me up, but he's not going to put me, like he's not going to push me on the tracks. He's just going to pick me up and I find my way. So that's what I really love about my dad, how he connects with me. Because we get along very, very well. Yeah. And that's always good, like yeah. having that support 100%. Mm. And home life is probably the hardest bit because that's the difference is how's your dad's nutrition and things? Mm. Do they have chocolate around? I mean, he asks me pretty much, oh, what's the best this? What's the best that? Sometimes I don't have an answer, but he he sees the shit I do. He sees that I'm very passionate about this. And he, he loves this, you know? I mean, he used to uh, binge drink a couple of years ago and then he... It's funny because he found out he got a bit of a gut and he thought, fuck, how did that happen? So then he started to realise, like, shit, mm. I need to fucking put myself into line. I'm 50-odd and I, you know, I've got kids and, you know, they're going to want to eat what I eat. So I think I brought my dad into this fitness community. Yeah. So he he knew a lot because I think it was about 25 to 30. He, um, he had solid abs, fucking solid abs. And then something happened and then I just... As soon as I got into the gym and he saw results and he saw how passionate I was, he was like, fuck me, this is incredible. Mm. I'm going to follow what my son does. And that's pretty much, you know, I got him into that and I'm grateful that I did. Yeah, 100%. And that's something you both then mm. can share as well. Like going older, yeah. you have less things that you do share, but that's definitely, I know, even with my father as well, that being in the thing, it's something, a connection, a bond that you will have for always, yeah, always is, yeah. is that fitness. Also around your age, um, being 20, I want to talk, touch a little bit on social media effect on you. So me going through, I was competing before social media was around. Um, that was very, very prevalent. So for you, you can get constant inspiration, things from that, from your Instagram, but does it affect you at all? Um, yes and no. So for me, I've got my, like I said, I've got my own personal goals, um, future, short-term, long-term goals. Um, there's a bit of a... Um, that uh, a few Instagram uh, models, I should say, mm-hmm. or influencers, influencers um, that I look up to. And they do give me motivation, but, um, you know, to look like the physique that they have, like, you know, what does it take? And, that, and I already know the boundaries between what's it take and what's healthy. But yep. for me, it's, it's, I just look at myself in the mirror, I see what I need to improve on. And, you know, I see these other guys in the gym and, you know, they're looking real good. And I think... You know, I was once that person that, well, I still do, like flex triceps in the mirror and it's like, oh, fuck, I'm fucking huge, you know. And now that I see myself progressing and seeing younger people getting into the gym, that's the best thing that can happen. Yeah. And it's big arguments these days. Is that social media a positive or a negative coming connotation, especially on the younger generation growing up, which is you're dead in the middle of it, um, especially being within the fitness industry. How are you finding that? does it influence you for better or worse? So say, even the, we go down to last week, likes were taken away. Um, things like that of ha- just having that social presence in your I mean, life. To talk about likes, I don't really give a shit, to be honest. I mean, 
there has been a few posts where I've looked insane, I've looked in- incredible. Go on Instagram, I post it a couple of hours later, not many likes, not many comments, but I think, okay, you know, is it the time that I posted? Is it, you know, I have these doubts, but then I always talk to myself saying, you know what, fuck it, it's just social media. Yeah. You took that photo for a reason because you looked fucking good. Yeah. So you make so. sure that you keep it to yourself and say, you know what, I don't need these likes, I don't need these comments. It's what you put in and how long you've been putting in for. Yeah. And the biggest game, I think, these days competing, especially in any type of bodybuilding federation, is that you are constantly looking at your competitors and you know who you're up against more or less months before the actual date. So how's that playing to your training? Um, well, for me, because I like to speak on others' behalf as well because I see a lot of people compare, like, oh, this person's doing five sets, 20 reps of shoulders mm-hmm. and or lateral raises. Their fucking lateral, lats are huge. You know, their side delts are massive. And you think just because you're going to do that doesn't mean you're going to look like them. You need to focus on yourself, and that's what I've been doing. Yeah, I like to compare, but I think, hold on. Why should I compare when I can compare, like, my previous photos? Like, six months ago, I posted a photo, and I looked absolutely incredible this time around. So I'm like, if I'm progressing in that, why do I need to compare, you know? For me, whether it's a six-week, 12-week, 16, 20-week prep, it's you versus you during the prep. For me, it's you versus you. It's me versus me. But on stage, it's me versus them, you know? It's not me versus me anymore because I'm, me versus me has done all the, the diet, the training, the cardio, the drinking the water, the salt, the this and that. Yeah, and you can't do anything and else. And basically, yeah. And just show your Leading best. up to the show, it's you bring your best package and you know if you fucked up. You know that you did 110%. Even if you don't place well, you know that you did everything you could. Yeah, and that's the big takeaway is that you've done it all. So like in the end show up on the day and smile because you know well you couldn't have gained an extra five kilos if someone beat you for that or they're just better in the end physiques can be but you've there's nothing you can do you can't control how other people come in um and i know that's a big play like a mind game in the last couple of weeks where people are like oh they're looking better than me but the biggest thing is as well you don't actually realize how good you look yeah and that's like you might day to day feelings will change Um, you'll have one day that you're like, yes, I'm feeling amazing. And then other days you're like, God, I am fat as, mm. um, <laughs> the way I see it is when you're in the gym, when you're sitting next to your girlfriend or boyfriend or family and they're having a junk food mm. or you're, you know, you're trained. Okay. We'll take training. For example, just because you feel like shit, you're low carbs, you look flat, you look stupid, you look skinny. What about your competitors? Are they having the time of their life? Are they having the pizza? Are yeah. they on 500 grams of carbs? Whatever you're going through is exactly what they're going through. It may not be at the exact same time, but they have gone through that moment. I've gone through that moment where I'm sitting in front of the mirror and I've snapped moods. I'm like, yo, this is shit. I look like shit right now. Yeah. And then, <laughs> lucky enough, two sets in, I look fucking great. See, it's just, it's just that, that mindset. Just and that's because the you're thing, struggling yeah. in the gym doesn't mean someone else isn't. And if you're having a shit day, you're going to take take it out pretty much on how you look. You're, you're only pretty much like showing out what you feel inside anyway. So if someone you get a bad phone call and then you go to the gym, you're not in a very good mood, of course you're not going to be 
like very critical on your own physique, especially if you're looking at it every day, you might not see the changes that everyone else is seeing or that's happening on the numbers or the paper that's um, actually looking in front of it. For me, I hide my physique as in um, I make sure I wear extra layer of clothes so I don't, so when I walk past the mirror, I don't really see any veins or anything and I wait until gym and I go, fuck, I'm looking pretty good. Yeah, it, nice. It can manipulate you a lot. Um, talking with that, you just mentioned having a partner on while you're on prep. Yeah. So dating while you are doing your prep and things like that. How do you deal with different meals, date nights, those type of things? Um, it's more of understanding each other. Um, obviously, mm. I've had a partner for about six months now, um, and it is I'm not going to lie, it is tough. I'm not going to show any. I'm not going to hide anything. It's it's tough, right? But when they understand what you do, you have to understand how they feel. So if, it, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. But there's, work, there's ways to work around it. You know, explaining to your partner, this is what I have to do, you know, and they may attack you going, hey, I don't think you should do this, you know, this and that. And that's where it comes into play of what you have to understand. Just because mm. they don't understand doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. If, if you show them the photos, if you show them the progress, if you show them what you've been doing, maybe they'll take in and go, fuck, okay, all right, I'll, I'll let you to it. And, or even bring them into it. Bring that positive energy into them. Yeah. And that's a big thing. Communication is yes. key for okay. anything like that. Just not even, even with partners or anything, with parents, with families, with any type of, like I like to call them muggles, which are non-prep um, people just out every day that doesn't do anything to do with fitness um, and it's just being communication no you can't go if you've got a wedding on and they're serving up meals if they've got a 21st and there's meals provided that god they might have to understand that you have to eat out of a container or you have to have this certain meal you can't just drink alcohol here here and here um, and there's no flexibility and no way around that um, but it's I've had clients that have gone to weddings and taken eskies with um, their meal preps in them and it, they've been happy. I've had clients that have gone to weddings and things. Weddings is coming up a lot. <laughs> clients that have gone to weddings that have found that um, their actual, they went, the planners went to the weddings and made it comp prep appropriate. So they're like, oh, Jake, can I have a meal plan so I can take to my wedding planner that will make one meal for this person to help them in? And that's, where I think it's social media is 100% helping with this yeah. aspect because when I started, well, everyone just asked me, why do I wear tan so dark? And now I never get that question because everyone knows something, yeah. someone who's done comp, or it's getting so popular now that it is slowly becoming more mainstream. We're not there quite yet, but we're slowly getting more and more exposure, which is absolutely amazing for the sport. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Getting that first place, going down the line, long-term goals. Um, so where are you wanting to see yourself competitively in the next one, two to four years? I'll be straight up. I, I want my pro card. <laughs> straight yep. up. And the question you have to ask yourself is what's it going to take to get there? So just before you break that down, for the people that don't know anything about a pro card, explain that for me. So basically, um, you when you compete and you win your open class, so there's different classes, but when you win your open class, which means any age, any, uh, they're split into height groups, so any age can uh, place or be competitive in that group, and if you win that open class, or, you any, go, weight. or any weight class, you win your pro card at specific 
um, events. So if they're pro qualifiers, you go into the Open, you win that Open show, you um, get your pro card. And that's only at national or world events. Yep. So with ICN, they're very specific on how hard it is to get a pro card. Um, this is something they're not giving out willy-nilly. So this is a, as you heard Liam say earlier, a national event or an Australian event, which is, again, another step up, the best in the world. Um, so to win just an open class there is a freaking hard thing to do. Definitely. And I give you that because you can come in, you can win as many state shows as you like, and you just need one crazy physique to come through. And definitely when you're looking at the eyes of nationals, worlds, it's a different game. Um, you've got the best of the best standing on stage. So then taking out that open, then gets you your pro card. In your pro league, you compete against other pros who have all won Australian or world titles. So you're taking another step above that, which are all top, top competitors, and you're competing for prize money. Mm, so um, going into that, that's a goal, a yep. pro card. So how are you going to chase that down? Well, first of all is to win a category first. Um, yeah. I know I've got the potential. We just have to bring the physique in. Got to bring the size and condition, which can be done. But for me, it's 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 just a step closer. You know, no one's going to be the same every year. People are going to start to realise, you know, I'll talk back on the drinking. Like, people are going to stop drinking because they can see results. And those genetics and those results can lead to a pro card one mm. day or, you know, a competition. So this is where there's... Not just you, but there's everyone else. Yeah, and everyone else is growing. That's exactly. the thing. Every single year, it's getting stronger. More people are wanting to get into the pro league. Um, and this is advice I give to a lot of my clients um, because I do get people, and funnily enough, I was at the Arnold Fitness Expo. I had a guy come up to me, and he said, Jake, I really want to get my pro card. I was like, oh, cool, man. When did you last compete? He's like, I haven't competed before. And I was like, oh, cool. Do you ride a motorbike? He's like, no. I'm like, well, you just asked me how to do a backflip on a motorbike before you've even learned how to fucking ride a motorbike. Um, so that's the difference. I think social media has brought this pro card thing into light where it's such a glorious thing to have and it's such a high achievement. But this is the Olympic gold medal. This is the gold medal of the Olympics. It's this way, It's the, one of the hardest things to actually get. And you've got to have luck on your side, to be honest. Like You have to have a good physique and you have to be lucky because you have to have a pretty good bloody strong enough light like you could just have a lineup. But this is the advice I give to anyone that wants to go pro and is looking at that pro card is it's it's not about getting the pro card. It's about are you a good enough to physique to compete in the pro league. And that's uh, I just want to touch on that. Like not many people know what happens behind closed doors. I mean I don't yeah. see many people post on social media, keyword social media, they're having a shit day or they're having a bad day. Some people post like they've had um, stress, anxiety, stuff like that, but no one sees you 24-7. No one's exactly know, knowing what you do and what happened six months ago, what happened two years ago, three years ago, you know? Yeah. And you don't know how long people have been doing it. Like, you can have a first-time competitor compete for ten, uh, been training for 10 years and never decide to get up on stage. They get up on stage and they destroy it. They win their VIX. They go straight to Australian titles, win it, and get their pro card and they're in the pro league. Um, so that's something that... Definitely is a whole part of it, but that's the thing. You don't want to win your pro card and then have to take 10 years off to ever be competitive in the pro league. So I've had clients that have knocked back their pro card. I've knocked my, my pro card back twice. I've then taken my pro card when I felt that I can in, get my 
physique to the point where I'm going to be competitive. Because there's no point, like, I know people and I've seen people in this industry take their pro card without knowing you can never compete amateur again in that division. And that's a big thing that no one talks about. And that means, are you ready to... You have to be at the point where you're so ready and so confident with your physique that you're pretty much winning every single state show, any single amateur show, because you can never compete them again. And those guys that are in the pro league will eat you up if you're not ready. Because uh, you by then, it's, it's all about genetics. It's all about mm. X Factor. It's about having everyone's looking freaking amazing because of all one worlds and Aussie titles. So then it's just the game of refining perfection, refining perfection and splitting hairs between tiny little bits of triceps and posing, especially in physique when it comes down to that. Um, so that's just one thing I start seeing definitely social media going is everyone on their road to pro or mm. hunt for pro card or something along those lines. And maybe other federations are a hell of a lot easier to get their pro card. Um, but you want to have value behind it. And it's more about what the pro card means to you as well if seriously if they're like well you want a pro card cool you just need to place top five well it's going to have no value to you at all where i think the icm pro card is like so hard to get that's why it's so valuable and it's such a kind of place where you're holding it on such a high prestige where it's more of what it means to you for me i won my pro card after losing eight shows so that pro pro card for me is those eight shows and it's what I learned through those times. Um, what I learned all the way through is if I won my pro card in my first show, I wouldn't hold the value that I do to it. And it's the same with the physique journey. And um, when I won my physique pro card, very similar that I always competed fitness physique and always struggled in physique, struggled in physique, didn't place in my first physique show at VIX, come back four years later and won the whole show. And that just then win my pro card that year at Worlds is just keep building on it and it holds so much more value. So you don't want to cheat yourself out by just going for your pro card, maybe in your first year, in your first show, or just trying to compete for a pro card because it's more than that. And that's what's next. Like when you get your pro card, all right, you get your pro card. What's next? Yeah. You know, what's the next step? I'm done. Bodybuilding's over. I've got my pro card. I can post on social media and get billions of followers. Good luck. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. Um, and that's just the game, 100%. As Liam said, is you're going to be pretty empty if that's all you're hunting for and you get it and realize, well, a red carpet ain't going to be rolled out to you at the supermarket and every time you go, you're not going to be instantly famous um, because in the end, no one else gives a shit unless they're in bodybuilding, um, anything to do with the pro cards. So that's something to definitely think about once you do get into it and it's just... Like for me, the pro card's just allowing you into that next level step up and it's, to be honest, you're, it should be unfair for you to be an amateur if you have won a pro card. So you want to challenge yourself enough that you're going to step up and you're confident in your physique that you can step up and be competitive with the best of the best. Um, and that's 100%. So in it, and that's where you want to be really careful when you do take it and those type of things. So Liam coming into a third show, Vic state titles we're going to bring in the best package we can and in the end we'll just see how we go about we're not leaving nothing on the exactly. table and that's 100% mm-hmm. um, Liam's mindset all those things we've been chatting over the last hour or so is just that's going to show in six weeks time yep 
And that's the difference. What's the plan now from the next six weeks? The plan is to just keep doing the same thing. You know, if, if nothing's broken, don't fix it. You know, so I'm going to keep a level head. Um, I know people are starting to follow me and looking at my social media. That doesn't phase me at all. That just tells me you're focusing on me instead of you're focusing on yourself. Yeah. So... And that's the thing. I've already I've posted Liam in my story a couple of times and had definitely um, a lot of people kind of being like, yep, he's definitely going to win. Yep, he's definitely going for his pro card this year. He's going to be the top, like one of the top of the top, which is good, but we've had to level out that that is yeah. not going to help us in any way. It'd be great to win the pro card, but if not, keep going. Yeah. You know? In the end... Stops. We've, we've got our plan. I want Liam ready a week out um, just so then we can tweak in. And then from there, we're going to bring the best physique we can in. And in the end, if it's good enough, VIX is going to be a strong show. Like We're going to have one of the best lineups I think we've had at a VIX before. So it's going to bring, and that's going to bring on the rest of the year. Um, so it's definitely 100% we should do a podcast after VIX, I reckon. Yeah. Just to see how we get, how it goes after that. And hopefully we'll have good news. So next six weeks, we're going to absolutely kill it. Where can we find you? Um, so social media, uh, we'll start with Facebook. So Liam Sarkeesy, Instagram, Liam Sarkeesy Fit. Uh, Snapchat, Liam S199, if you want to send me a few snaps. You're definitely you under 20 if you are still using Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've used Snapchat for a few years. I've given up on it. So, yeah, what's your main account if people um, want to reach out? So I'd say Instagram is definitely the main account. So, Liam Sarkeesy Fit. How do you um, spell your last name? S-A-R-K-E-Z-I. Yep. So, Liam, send him a message, tag him in, say what's up, have a look at his progress, have a look at his physique shots the next six weeks, follow along that journey because we're going to bring in something insane. So, Stay it's going to be a, a fun few weeks. Other than that, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Absolute insane interview. Hopefully you guys took a few little things. I see a lot of myself in Liam when I was starting to compete in physique and putting your complete laser focus on those goals and what you want. So we're going to see Liam go pretty far. If you're wanting to reach out, topics, give us questions, anything about that with this podcast, shoot me a message. Jake underscore official, Able underscore official. So that's Jake Able official with the underscores in the each gap. Thanks for listening, guys. We're going to catch you next time.